0: Uh, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser first called Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy to ask for help at
1: 1:34 p.m. It looks now like the Capitol the police. Yeah, Pete, let me break away from you a second because things are happening very quickly.
0: According to your written testimony, you were, quote, aware that demonstrators had breached the Capitol.
1: Welcome to Democracy Under Fire, a show that examines the causes of of the collapse of democracy in America and around the globe and ask what we must do to save democracy. We will be organizing and working to build a movement in America capable of saving democracy. We are the Truth and Democracy Coalition. Make sure to sub- subscribe to my YouTube channel and to like the Truth and Democracy page on Facebook and spread the word. That is how we're going to build a movement. To support the show and the Truth In Democracy Coalition as we work together to build a movement to save democracy, Make a donation at GoFundMe and search for Democracy Under Fire. Today, for even longer I've been organizing writing speaking at rallies holding zoom meetings producing podcasts meeting with my representatives and organizing to save democracy our democracy is under attack by propagandists both foreign and domestic right now democracy is collapsing all over the world If we want to keep our democracy, we are going to have to fight for it. We need a democracy movement in America capable of bringing tens of thousands of people into the streets. So I decided that I wasn't going to wait around for others to do it. I will build a pro-democracy movement myself. To that end, I formed the Truth and Democracy Cult. For most of history, people have lived under the rule of tyrants. Humanity's central political struggle is between authoritarian forms of government and democratic forms of government. Democracy will not survive unless we organize and fight for it. I decided to give it my latter years to this cause because I will not let democracy die without a fight, so I want to give Rolando the opportunity to tell us what democracy means to you and why it's so important to fight for democracy especially now at this moment in history both locally nationally and globally But first, would you like to tell us a little bit about
0: yourself, Rolando? Well, first of all, thank you, Rich. My name is Rolando Cano. Uh, I've run for Whittier mayor twice before this was my third time. I originate from East Los Angeles, um, and I moved here in 1993 uh, into the city of Whittier. Uh, My family has always followed uh, politics closely upon moving here to Whittier, uh, took part in uh, going to the city council meetings and really just absorbing what the city was about. Um, everything was new to me. I grew up in an industrial area where you were surrounded by gangs, and uh, really, you didn't really call police. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of emotional um, results from the 70s that led into where where I was growing up. Where uh, at 11, I would be assaulted by officers or by gang members. So I really had to find my own path. Upon coming to Whittier, I did, uh, I saw something different. I saw the possibility of growth. Whittier literally saved my life. At the age of 16, wandered into Uptown and was able to see firsthand a community that actually functioned properly. You know, I was approached by police my first time in Uptown, but they approached me and they just asked me, "How you know, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Do you need any help? And, you know, a kid comes from East L.A. started getting all defensive. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Why are you stopping me? And this officer, um, Scoggins, who is still on the force, he um, he was on bike patrol. He just said, well, you look um, like you were confused or like something was going on. So we just wanted to make sure you're fine. And then they left me alone, which was shocking to me. I continued walking down uptown. And when I saw a reflection of myself, I realized why I had been stopped. And it wasn't. Um, Because I was being singled out, it's because I chose to single myself out by looking around and keeping an eye out because I came from an area where if you saw car lights, you know, headlights turned off, you knew it was a drive-by. If you saw any gang members coming, and the moment they caught eye with you, you knew something was going to go down. So I was always on high alert. Here, I, I realized that I had an option to breathe. You know, to really just take the time to learn on who I was and what I was really after. Upon attending these meetings, I got to meet a lot of local, a lot, a lot of locals that were involved in government. We had Mr. Ted Snyder, who was a big inspiration to me politically, and and just on what was right. And the people have understood that the power is locally. You know, you you have your presidents, you have your governments, you have your assembly members, you know, statesmen, but they all make their living off of local politics, local people. You know, the mom and pop shop produces more profit for the senator, for, for, for mayors, for even the president to take any kind of action when they give us something back. We're like, oh, well, you know what? They're taking that money out of my pocket without us understanding that from the very bottom, they've already taken it. We're just trying to figure out what we can do now to preserve it and do something positive with it instead of allowing the people higher up to continue to make these changes that affect us, that go against ourselves. I understood that early on, and I've been pushing the same message that you've been pushing, but slightly different. I I like to focus on what happens locally the voter rights that are being violated locally, the, the small things that are being done intentionally to limit us on speaking out or in favor of something or against something. But the overall outcome is if we want to hold on to our voting rights, if we want to fight for what's right, we start in our home. We start locally. Because whatever our local elected officials do affects the top. And if everyone at the bottom says, enough is enough, the top can't function. So we really, really need to stand up and, and make ourselves aware uh, as to the true definition of a voter, voter suppression. Means. I mean, being convinced that your vote doesn't matter, that what's the point of going out when you have long lines and they're successful at it at the local level. When you have the state coming at you in the same way, I mean, there's millions upon millions of dollars that are being used to convince you of the same fact. So we have to become aware of what's happening locally and translate that into the bigger picture. Yeah, Kind of like when they're at the border, they wanted people remember self-deport. Remember that? Yes.
1: Just make it so unbearable. This is institutional state violence, right? Not necessarily with guns, but using the power of the state to make people very uncomfortable and even cause them pain and misery okay. so self-deport so here's what they do with democracy let's make it so difficult let's make it painful for people to vote that makes it less likely for people to vote so that they can have more control more power so we have like changing the date of an election to an off-cycle election, so that there's a lower voter turnout, as they did in Whittier, and specifically doing it for that case, for that reason. Correct. Sure. That's a form of voter suppression. I mean, you're looking for a less voters. You're looking for your voters and uh, make it harder for people. That's what the recall election is about, right? Correct. You, sure. you don't need as many signatures to get a recall. You get the recall. you got another shot at trying to overturn the will of the broader public, which have voted the candidate in the office. And Governor Newsom hasn't done anything wrong. Correct. There's no reason to remove him from power, but because there's a procedure that one can use to try and push somebody out of power. But you're abusing that process when you're doing that because it's not meant to be used just to try and get another bite at the apple, just to try and get power. It's only supposed to be used when the governor has done something or a candidate or political office holder has done something that he deserves a recall and there's no nothing here
0: to preserve that. Of course. And you know the 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 biggest problem with that is we have so many people that are organizing to um, remove Newsom yet You have um, local elected officials like mayors, with every city that they create a dangerous game. They they are deciding to be in favor of this recall, and it seems like some of these people they don't even take into account um, their political party. You have you now have Republicans and Democrats working to remove Newsom, but they themselves are not taking any kind of leadership position to do something better within their own. Capacity in their own town, so they 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 are using the people as a tool, as a pawn to remove, uh, um, you know, to remove the governor. Uh, but when you really look at brass tax, you realize that it, it's a, a power grab. I mean, this whole movement is being created with deals that are being made because there is a progressive movement. It's called awareness, and the bottom line is the people that are currently fighting against us and pushing for that recall they're afraid of our awareness they're afraid of even answering the most basic questions you go to a city council meeting here in Whittier you're not even allowed to come indoors you know you're supposed to be called upon to ask a question where no one's taking notes even here in Whittier where you have districts it's not a true system people look into gerrymandering but here you have districts where elected officials have all decided together to vote and pulling funds that were automatically separated to support these districts into one uh, um, general purse, therefore removing the intention of, of and the purpose of forming a district. You have all these actions that are occurring, and when it translates into something negative, they point the finger at our governor. Now, the governor has done everything possible, and, and there's probably more. There's always going to be objection that there's more that can be done but he's been doing everything possible to support the majority and the majority I mean the people that are struggling and we're still going through a pandemic but they point the finger at our governor when they themselves have refused to do anything whatsoever other than work against their own people so we really need to remember awareness is their enemy if we become aware of how things function locally then we are able to see what they're doing at a larger level because at the bottom line is their power comes from the people that are here locally. Whatever we decide, whatever we become aware of, and whatever we j- change we create at the bottom trickles up to the top, it's not the other way. We've been led to believe, you know what, trickle-down economics. Trickle-down economics only works for the person at the top. And another explanation for trickle-down economics is the pyramid scheme. The person at the top will always make more money than the people at the bottom. Unless we become aware and realize, The people at the top need the people at the bottom to make the changes that they claim are only specific to them and the privilege only lies in their hands. It does not. It it actually is a responsibility for the people to become aware even at the most minute level, which is when can I go out and vote? Can I send my ballot out? They've made it so simple so that we just have to fill out a form and send it out. But they've created so much conflict that Even people with the most common sense are like, what if my vote doesn't get here? What if it doesn't register? We have the ability to follow through and figure out if our ballot made it. But we're so bombarded with all these ads on recalling the governor or we have people that are fighting, that are standing out and risking their positions to bring awareness to the people, knowing that they have nothing left if all this passes. They're risking it all. They're not leaving anything behind. The rest of these other people that are funding this drive to recall the governor and to create all these other changes that would make it more difficult for us to to voice our opinion through our ballot, they are so efficient that, I mean, we, we really are, are falling for the most basic scam that we never would. If someone calls you over the phone and tells you, give me your information, You'll be like, there's no way I'm going to give you my information. But if someone says, you know what, don't even bother. We'll take care of it. That's when you become troubled. When you're like, wait a minute. What do you mean you're going to decide for me? Like, you're going to decide what I'm getting, how I'm getting it. And even if I'm part of of this decision process. But the thing is, unless we become aware of that, we just keep stumbling upon, looking at our phones, seeing the next news flash from either Trump, Biden, or any other person. But it really comes down to us understanding what happens locally and how that affects the top. But this recall is a sham.
1: So we're, yeah, if we resist, if we resist, we will win because their power comes from us, allowing it. Now, a lot of people have resisted and lost their lives. So we need to recognize and honor those who have lost their lives fighting for democracy. And so, I wanted to ask you, Rolando, why is democracy important? What's about this time in this moment in history? Is it important?
0: Why is it democracy important to you and the right to vote important? Look, I mean, there's there's a lot of examples right now, but I I want to believe that if you use what's happening now, if you really focus on uh, not blame, but just the issues, what, what you're seeing. We've seen what's happening in Afghanistan. You know, we have so many sides coming towards a decision that our president has made without the realization that it was a long process. There are a lot of people that took part in this. And at the end, you know, everyone's casting blame at how this is ending. But when you look at it on the other side. Sorry, I'm. You see children that are screaming, that are saying, "Save us!" It's literal and it's also symbolic. You have families that are doing the same, that are tossing these kids over uh, a wall, and it's not the first time we've seen that. We've seen it in Mexico, we've seen it in many different countries. You have these people that are seeing that light dim, and that they know that the moment this new entity, this this oppressive government, comes in. Little to no hope will be left for their children, especially their daughters. Here in the United States, we need to understand that it is so critical to to learn and understand that this can happen to us. Imagine that that happens here in the United States. We would be the ones tossing our kids over to Mexico, to Canada, sending them on boats back to Cuba if that kind of government took over here. That is democracy, that is inspiration. When we realize that other governments are going through it, and they've been going through it, we're at the point where we can no longer just stand by and, and see things as not as big of a deal. But the bottom line is that here, we have a unique opportunity to, to speak up and say, what's happening in Afghanistan? What's happening in Cuba? what's happened in El Salvador, in, in Mexico. And we ask ourselves, why does everyone want to come in? Why do they want to take what we have? It's because it matters. When we reach a point where we're tossing our kids over the border in the opposite direction, it's too late. We see many political um, activists, not from the past, but now that are children, Half of them, we don't even know their name. They speak once or twice. But they're carrying that message to try to create change. We need to remember that there's still a population um, that experienced what was and what is. And we should remember why we fought hard to be the United States that we we were once. Even now, that light that's fading away in Afghanistan for the hope of democracy, of having the ability to speak up and defend your own. You know, that's us. That light that's dimming is our light that's dimming in their eyes. So we have to realize that this voter suppression that's occurring, whether it be minute or major, that is our light that continues to extinguish here within the United States. And unless we realize the sacrifice that people have made, all these kids that have died on the streets. Where I grew up, I lost a large majority of my friends. By the time I was 16, I was stabbed on three different occasions shot at, never a gang member, beat up by officers, beat up by, you know, gang members fighting back. I fought tooth and nail to get to where I'm at today, which is believing that there's something better. If we don't fight for what we know and what we believe is better, regardless of what side you're on, there'll be nothing left and we will eventually see ourselves putting our kids over the the border on the opposite end. We need to fight for our rights because they're they're using our money. People will say, well, you know what? I don't want to pay for that. We're taking care of them, this and that, the liberals, the Republicans. I mean, it goes back and forth. But in the end, we're fighting for something that's already been taken away. The thing is that the people that are, that are pulling the strings, they're fighting for the right to just use the money any way that they want, pointing fingers on things that don't even exist. I mean, the boogeyman... Great, you know, you should be afraid of the boogeyman, but until we know what that is it's it's just a fable it's It's a story they tell us. We have to understand our position, and we have to realize that light that's extinguishing in Afghanistan for those people is our light, and we have to keep it burning bright here so that we could go back and inspire the rest of the world
1: We have to keep the beacon of democracy lit in America. Not only for the sake of Americans and our democracy and our way of life and our freedoms and our civil and human rights But for the sake of democracy around the world Because we have not been a friend to democracy the United States Even though we've people want to say oh, we've tried to help demo- Promote democracy around the world truth is no we've been an enemy to democracy in many parts of the country. So it's not true that we've tried in any significant way to establish democracies. And now Afghanistan is a huge failure, huge failure. But so was Egypt. We lost Egypt. And so was the Arab Spring. And so one of the things that I've been looking at as the causes of this is the widespread dissemination of disinformation not just by national sources but by international sources and so we get all this these boogeyman you're talking about and they want to divide us and it's happening all coming down from the top and it's not just from the media i mean there's a lot of sources from it so people are being set against each other american against american and we need to see past that we need to see that, that fellow Americans, no matter their race or religion, they are fellow Americans and we need to treat them as such. And even foreigners, you know, the Bible says, welcome the foreigner, treat the stranger, the, your neighbor as yourself. And, okay. and so this is what we need to do, of course. And so do you have any idea?
0: It could be as simple as them creating the ability to create the election, make it a national holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, the 5th of July, why not? Right, right. You know, hey, it's Cinco de Mayo, hey, let's go get drinks afterwards. Whatever you want to do, align it with something else. Right. You create that, you have a larger turnout. But is that the intention? Of course not. You see it locally. You have uh, our our Whittier, Mary, Vinatieri, and for. Uh, three other members of the council that you have uh, Kathy Warner, Fernando Dutra, you have um, Martinez, who all voted in favor to change the date, knowing that the cost is is really minute when you see the outcome. You have about 50-60% turnout when aligned to a national election, and when you revert it back to a June election, you have it in the teens, maybe yeah. 20%. I mean, that, that is an intention uh, of our local government, and you see that at a higher level. But in the end, that's the corporate model. Failure works for them. The rest of us are now speaking up saying, we demand more than failure.
1: We're going to need to fight, right? We're going to need to build a movement to save democracy. That's, we're going to need to be able to reach out to the middle of the country and that's part of what this show is about, is to be able to reach out to fellow Americans. We cannot rely on any other, anybody else or any other group to defend democracy, defend the Constitution, stand up for the American way of life. We can't depend on other people to do that for us. And we're going to need to stop allowing our government to overthrow democracies or undermine democracies, even allying with dictators. I mean, I know they're between a rock and a hard place, but we need to actually encourage democracy and rather than corporate interests or profits or our interests, even clearly, we should seek the common good. What do you think we need to do
0: you know with these these past few years of elections we've been indoctrinated to believe that any change that's minute is is obviously someone that's an enemy to you doesn't matter what they think or say even if 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 you have the same belief if there's some difference we're led to believe that right there you should become suspect of that person we we are literally indoctrinated into believing that the boogeyman is right outside our door and to some degree he is But we can't just assume that everyone we see is the boogeyman. We have to assume that there are people that are like us that are going to engage us and just have a basic conversation, a reintroduction to your neighbor. You do something like that, create a movement and say, let's reintroduce ourselves. You go to a nice area, you know, people have worked hard, but an area that doesn't struggle with uh, the basic struggles that everyone else does, people that are well off. You know, have the super yacht, have all that. What do they have? Community. They'll go to a country club where they interact. They're eating together. They're playing together. They're speaking together. They've been doing it. It's been working for them. We used to do this. We have Rotary clubs. We have all these clubs that have created programs for the community, for our kids. Wherever your kids are, the adults go. We all share something. When we share the same experience, we fight for the same thing. What we need to do is reintroduce ourselves. Create a movement where you get to know your neighbor again. Then create a movement where you go out and get to introduce yourselves to the business owners. It doesn't matter if they're from India, from Afghanistan, from Mexico, from Russia, from wherever they are. That's a person that's moving forward trying to do something in their community. And when you build that relationship, you always get that. How you doing, Rich? Hey, good to see you, Rich. I mean, look at Cheers, where everybody knows your name. We create that kind of environment. And it would be difficult for someone to come get in you and say, look at them. They're different. You better be careful. They're after your money. That person, they must be illegal. That person, they must be working off of the system. You know what? Whether that be true or not, if it's not affecting my life, if I'm able to move forward, and they create value to my life to my community why not what does that matter to me what should matter to me more is what's happening around me. how we can reintroduce ourselves how we can get to know each other because once you create these links these bonds i'll be damned if anyone's going to come and tell you hey rolando man that guy is a piece of work this and that because rich you'd be like well i talked to him and he didn't seem to come across like that what What are you talking about? Then you start having these conversations. And as long as I'm the kind of person that says, hey, bring them in. Let's just have a conversation. And we have that conversation. We clear any doubt and we're able to move forward. So we also have that responsibility when we introduce ourselves to someone new to be able to handle any kind of opposition because we should have that conversation. Why are we opposing each other? You know, one person told me, oh, you know what? What? we got to be against the NRA. And then I met another gentleman who was uh, in the South who is an NRA member, uh, you know, leader of this gun club. And he was talking to me, oh, you know, I walked into this bar and he was like, you know what, Y'all, you're from California, you must be one of those liberals. He's like, you probably don't even own a gun. And I'm like, of course I do. He's like, well, you're not an NRA member. I'm like, of course I am. And he's like, what? And he's like, but are you against controlling, uh, documenting all guns and, and tracing people? I mean, our government's worked against it. And I told him, well, look, what do you think about creating an insurance company? You know, just not run by a government, but let's insure our guns. Because I would hate if someone steals my gun or it breaks and I can't replace it. And he was just quiet thinking about it. like, hmm. And I'm like, NRA could have their own insurance company. You guys log everything in, someone gets damaged or lost, you replace it like, that's a good idea. I'm like, it is, right? He's like, you know what? I'll look into that. That's a good idea. He left happy. I left happy. But what's the end result? It's gun control to a certain extent. It's how you look at things. It's how you speak to people. When someone comes into your door and you don't know them, you don't know what you're going to expect. But you at least open that door. You're having this conversation. So we need to be ready to meet these people. And we also have to be acceptant of any differences. But in the end, it's reaching out and getting to know each other again. Because there's no way in hell that someone that you've never seen, that's an assembly member, that's a uh, politician, that's higher up, that doesn't even bother coming into our area. There's no way you're going to believe them or the people you live around as long as you get out there and get to know them. Right now, we don't have that and we need to work on that because we are losing um, our ability to differentiate between a friend and an enemy. And we're willing to realign that.
1: I I think some of the things that we, this propaganda has put us with extremists, right? Like the person you meet, all of a sudden they think because you're liberal or from California that you have all these extremist points of view. And so we're in a battle amongst the extremists. And most people are not that, you know, I remember cheers and I never liked cheers because it was just insulting, (laughs) just insulting people. But it brings me to the point of, you know, we have a problem with narcissism and people not growing, being grown up and we need to truly learn to listen to one another, not just think, oh, what am I going to say next? Well, how am I going to respond? What's my counter-argument going to be? I mean, I do that too. But what we need to do is stop and truly listen to what the other person is saying and not jump to conclusions about what they're saying just because they may say one thing that triggers us. And that's really what this is about. We're being triggered. They're pushing our buttons. They're doing it to raise money. They're doing it to... Gain power, they're doing it to win elections, but it's pushing our buttons, and we need to be more discerning about the information that we consume.
0: I agree with you, Rich. I agree with you one
1: hundred percent. Thank you, Rolano. So, vote no on the recall. The this expensive and unnecessary election is an abuse of the recall process. It's a power grab by megathugs and COVID deniers. Also, go to represent.us. They can help you call or meet with your senators to tell them to pass the For the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, the D.C. Admissions Act, And tell them that the filibuster must not be allowed to stand in the way of democracy. Nor should it be allowed to block the other party's agenda or to frustrate the will of the people. In a choice between democracy and the filibuster, democracy must prevail. Defending our constitutional democracy is more important than the filibuster, which is not constitutionally mandated. The filibuster, as portrayed by the iconic Jimmy Stewart in the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, was about a man standing alone on principle. It was not about political obstruction like it is now. The Republicans are using the filibuster to overthrow our democracy. They intend to cause people to lose faith in democracy and in the Democratic Party's ability to address their concerns. Thank you for watching Democracy Under Fire. So like the Truth and Democracy Coalition on Facebook, and subscribe to my YouTube page, Rich Procida. Tell your friends and groups and organizations about us and to join the Truth and Democracy Coalition. That's how we're going to build a movement.
0: According to public reporting, uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser first called Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy to ask for help at 1.34 p.m.
1: It looks now like the Capitol the Police... Yeah, now, Pete, let me break away from you a left. second, because things are happening very quickly.
0: According to your written testimony, you were, quote, aware that demonstrators had